Off the Ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further. All right, a very good evening to you. Welcome along this Friday evening. It is the start of the Six Nations, and that means we're all rugby all the way until 8 o'clock this evening. We're going to be joined by Peter Stringer a little bit later on. And we're also going to have the Italian legend Diego Dominguez on the line. Dominguez is going to be the next head coach at Toulon, but not for about 18 months, actually. Yeah, so we might talk to him a little bit about that fairly unique situation. In the meantime, delighted to welcome Brian Driscoll to the studio. Very good evening to you. Good evening. An odd Six Nations experience is all kicking off and you're like sitting here in the studio with us talking nonsense? Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I thought that um, the little things throughout the day, um, 6.15, which would have been 7.15 in Italy. Yeah. Um, Paulie would have had his captain's meeting, those sort of moments. So, yeah, there's been a few of those throughout the week. But um, let you, it go. Let you, it go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've also been um, inundated with the uh, miracle of that song then over the last while, haven't you? <laughs> Absolutely, Jesus yeah. Christ. It's part of my life, it's part terrible. of my DNA now. Me, <laughs> tell me, um, is that stuff easy enough to let go? Or do no. you think, I, I actually, uh, I missed that? It doesn't mean, uh, yeah, it's, I still feel, it, I can't I can't fight the urge to want to be involved. It's um, When you were taking the, the piss out of Paul O'Connor for the photograph this yeah, week Yeah, I did Twitter. not. I did not envy that. <laughs> I really didn't. That was, That's one of the most horrible days in the, in the year is that um, the, the Huntington Club over in London where the Six Nations launches and you have just an, an after or morning and afternoon of, of interviews. In and full kit. In full kit and pictures and these awkward poses and... You know, different. You have to um, have face-offs with certain captains, and it's pretty difficult staring at a guy, looking him right in the <laughs> eye. So, about year three of my captaincy, I was told by someone, "Just look at his ear. It'll look as though your <laughs> yeah. eyeline is still the same." Yeah. So, thank you for whoever passed. So you that weirded on to out me. all the other opposition yeah, captains. Yeah. He's staring at my ear. <laughs> What's wrong with is my it, mutant ear? Are, are they sticky, Eddie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that because it, it must be weird to meet these people and know at the end of the week you're going to have to go and try and beat the hell out of them yeah it's all you're trying to be polite and you're all in the same position it's all uncomfortable you're not friends some of you might have been on Lions tours together um, but you know, more often than not you don't really know each other other than maybe you've done a few of these together so it's pleasantries and you kind of hope to just continually be involved in interviews because it keeps you away from the uncomfortable situations you find yourself in otherwise. I, I spoke to a fairly prominent intercounty footballer recently after his retirement and as he stood up he went ah oh, Jesus it's great that's the first time I've been honest to a journalist in 15 years and I was like wow I didn't realise it had got that bad where you become so aware of what you're saying at those events as well in a weird way, I can understand how it matters a bit more in rugby because there's so much of a physical element of the motivation of trying to physically impose your will on somebody. Yeah, I think as well in, in your role there, it's not it's not your opinion. You're, you're, as captain, it's the opinion of the team that you are having to deliver. It's not, you know, yes, the media loves hand bites from people that come left field, but your teammates or your coaching staff don't love that. Yeah, They want you to talk in generalisations um, you know, not bigging yourselves up, not talking down the opposition. They've got a great forward pack. We yeah. know we're going to be up against it with a straight bat, and that is expected for certainly. I, I felt as though it was expected of me. And you called that England one time, though, didn't you? Yeah, but I, you know, I made some. Stu- I had but yellow it, hair as well. But you, you won. You won that weekend. Things. We did, but I played. I also played terribly that that, that day. Okay. And do you put any of it down to the fact that you were a little bit concerned about? I just. I didn't think that I was. I was calling out England, and you know, I made some reference to hoping they'd choke on their prawn sandwiches, which was kind of a play on Roy, Roy Keane taking the piss out of yeah. the, the corporates. So I was kind of having a laugh and not kind of a semi dig at at Roy for it, but yet 
Clive took serious umbrage to this and used it as a motivational tool, albeit their first game back after the World Cup, we ended up beating them. Yeah. Um, but I had one of my poorest games for Ireland. And I don't know where, whether subconsciously I kept thinking that I'd really given them this motivation and as a result it affected my game or whether I just had a brutal game. Yeah, and who but, knows what the difference is. But, but that, it, was, that uh, it kind of went under the radar a bit because we won. And so Paulie this week would have been doing exactly the same thing, kind of saying, you know... We'll have to perform. Joe is the pains to point out that favoritism doesn't mean anything, and it's like Jesus. Why do we even have these press conferences anymore? I think because people need sound bites, and you you know occasionally you have guys like uh, Ron O'Gara that you know, yeah. give an interview after <laughs> the Australian game in the World Cup and say, "I'm giving up in a few weeks." Like what? You didn't tell any of us that, you know. Are you not under contract at the end of the year? You yeah. can't give up, by the way. So occasionally you might catch people off guard, which. How the media does at times, yeah. and which I have been caught out, and sometimes your words get twisted a little bit more than you intend, and sometimes yeah. you say something stupid in the heat in the heat of the moment. So that's why interviews are done. And um, Woodward came back at you with the immortal. I think I prefer cucumber sandwiches. Was that right? Was yeah, it? it was classic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the most stereotypical answer. That you but he said as well, you know, people should be careful what they say. Yeah, we do our talking on the pitch. Yeah, and then then they didn't. You no. Know, oh. Uh, the only thing that got me thinking about this actually being important was the Lions tour when Austin Healy went off and won about um, was it Harrison the guy who ends up the mm. uh, I was going to say Audley Harrison that's the, the wrong plank. sport yeah yeah <laughs> called him a plank and a plod yeah. in his article yeah and then Iman went and had the best game of all yeah he time. did he played very well in the third test and um, yeah he stole the final ball of the, the last line out and really clinched the series for them yeah. so nice one Oz yeah so it does matter actually the, the no, no, it definitely adds to it. it's, little it's, weird it's, bits of motivation you never know where it's going to end up and I don't know rugby's probably historically has used those sort of motivations and people have talked about pinning articles up on walls there's references made I don't think you, you see much of articles being pinned up on walls it's anymore too but, now. you had to yeah. print it out <laughs> <laughs> but um, no you know, I think people do see it as a, a chance to get themselves a little bit more riled up. And I think that the game, as it progresses into professionalism further and further, there's less and less of that. You just have to, it's now becomes very process-based and you implementing your game in the opposition and irrespective of what they've gone and said before, provided it's not outrageously disrespectful. Yeah, because the penalties and the ability of the various kickers to kick from long distance means that you're going to be penalised if you do any of that stuff and also more likely to spend 10 minutes in the bin. Well, like this, literally there's, there's you know, 20 cameras at every game now. They're the days yeah. of getting away with niggle and, and stupid stuff. And I remember in that game against England, Lawrence... Uh, got me in the bottom. Lawrence got me in the bottom of a rook and kind of had a couple of cho- choice words with me and and you know stuck a few into me. So, All right, yeah. So that was for the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> obviously, it serves as a bit of motivation to him. I don't know if he had his worst game ever, but um, yeah, but okay. Yeah, well, that might make you think that. twice. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm friends with Lawrence these days. You know, I've let it go. <laughs> a couple of dicks from Lawrence Delalio. Yeah, maybe I won't write that column next week. Uh, the Ireland team that's been named, there were a few big calls to be made. Uh, Mike Ross gets the nod, and I suppose the, the big debate was about 10. It seemed as if when when um, Joe was talking this week about why he went with it, the week-to-week partnership that Conor Murray has with Keatley over the last season, I guess, has, has given him the nod. Even though you know he's been injured for the last four weeks, Murray. So Yeah, um, listen, there's probably some validity to that, but at the same time, I think Ian Madigan probably had his audition last week and it didn't go as he would have liked to have. He hasn't played much 10. Um, and 
I think going with Keatley is probably a, a smart and a shrewd enough uh, move, you know, not unlike Joe's selections in the past. Um, I, I think what Keatley can do a little bit better at 10 than Madigan can, and I, and I still stick by Madigan being a better 12 than 10, but I think Keatley can facilitate the strengths of his players around him a little bit better than Ian can. Ian is an out-and-out game winner himself and he's a fantastic guy to bring on with 10, 15 to go when you're when you need some scores and you need something new and yeah. something fresh. But Keatley has a better kicking game for me. Um, he's you know a reasonable attacking game, but I think picking him at 10 sends out a message as well about Ireland probably not trying to play too much rugby too early on and give the Italians something to live off. I think you'll probably see Ireland trying to play a little bit of territory, playing in the Italian in the Italian half and then, you know, letting Keatley grow into the game and um, without, you know, no disrespect to him, but there there's better players around him in that back line. He's a very fine player himself and can be excellent on his day, but um but there's better players around him, so give them the opportunity to do the magic stuff, and he just needs to keep the tempo of the team going in the right direction. It's very difficult for Madigan to come back from that situation where you get given your opportunity and everybody watches it. It doesn't go that well, and now we've decided to go with this guy who we think is a safer option for the game plan that we want to play. So it's a big message. You've got to get going here and show us something that we haven't seen. Yeah, it is. And listen, I I remember talking and thinking to Ian Madigan the best game I've ever seen him play uh, was for Leinster against Northampton away um, last year and he did next to nothing he just he just let other players play and he just passed extremely well kicked very accurately obviously kicked his goals but um, he just did chose all the right options and he didn't score any fantastic tries that we've become accustomed to, to him scoring he just he worked the team really well and put them into the right places and you know, maybe he needs an element of that to his game. You know, for coaches, for be it Matt O'Connor or be it Joe, to see okay, he's got that control aspect as well as the flamboyant parts yeah. that we all know that he's very capable of. Is that a maturity issue? And maybe there's just a difference in the like. Obviously, Keatley is a bit older and has gone through that and has had setbacks, significant setbacks in his career. Maybe it's understanding your role a little bit, yeah. And and you, know, it's 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 a considerable step up to international level from from provincial and. Um, like Ian has been very good in fairness to him he's been very good for Ireland any time he's come on he saw out the game over in Paris um, last year for the championship he came on and had some big impacts for Gordon Darcy though a 12 against Australia won the vital turnover at the end of the game to, yeah. to, um, to make sure Ireland won so um, he has been very good when he's come on um, and he was decent against Georgia in November too so like it's not as though we're not a um, we're not aware of his wares. Yeah, it's just he hasn't proved himself more recently to being that controlling factor that Joe is looking for. That Sexto's able to um, marry his game of his passing game, his attacking game, and his kicking game. And Ian probably just doesn't have the balance of that quite right at the moment. All right. Also, huge speculation about the centre partnership. Everybody knew Robbie Henshaw was going to play. We weren't sure if he was going to be picked at 12 or 13, given his ability to play in both places, even though when he was named 12 the first time for all, and everybody was like, oh, he's never played here before. And now it's like, oh, yeah, he plays 12, because uh, Joe showed us that that was going to be the case. Um, Jared Payne, you're not that surprised that these two have been given another opportunity? No, they were the first choice uh, centres in, in November. They would have been first choice against Australia. Um, having beaten South Africa 
But Jared got injured in, in the last few minutes of that South African game. This is the first opportunity for them to play together in the centre. Uh, again, the only reason you would have picked someone differently if if they'd really put their hand up over the last couple of months and had and been outstanding as uh, been a couple of guys that have showed good form. Luke Fitzgerald's looked decent at thirteen, um, but I think he needs a little bit more game time. And for me, it was a simple enough uh, pick of going back to to Robbie and Jared. The uh, thing, for Joe. the thing about Fitzgerald is that even last week when he was going to play for the Saxons before he cried off with um, the stomach bug or whatever it was. He was being picked on the wing, he so was. it looked was. like he so wasn't even in the mix for thirteen at this point. Yeah, so I think you know Joe obviously decided that he, you know, he wants to give these two guys a good run. And interestingly, just looking at the bench and seeing Felix Jones there, yeah, um, you would imagine that if there's an injury to Rob Carney, Jared's not going to go back to fullback. He'll use either Tommy or Zebo, and he he probably wants to give these guys. 80 minutes to be able to bed down their partnership a little bit more. If this is going to be the partnership for the World Cup, they need to play in as many games in the Six Nations together as they can. So I, I can only assume that's the reason you have Felix Jones on on the bench because there's four other fullbacks um, in you know in that in that back line. Yeah, and he wants Tommy Bow and Simon Zebo to play on the wings and stay there so that he's not going to move either of them bad either. Well, you know, you'd be hopeful that we're not going to have to see, you know, what what unfolds if if there are those injuries. But um, Tommy's definitely a better winger. Zebo's definitely a better winger. Yeah. Um. So it's um, Madigan obviously has the flexibility also of playing full back. So he's played a bit there for for Leinster too. So yeah. Somebody um, was making the point um, that it's possible we're going to have an entire backline at some point that has played professional rugby as full back. First choice uh, at some point or other in their careers. Interesting. <laughs> I was like, Interesting. All right. Even the scrum half, I was thinking, uh, I'm not sure, but that, it might mean an injury to, to Murray. I don't know if um, Isaac Boss has ever played fullback. He's played on the wing. Has played he? on the wing for Ireland. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Speaking of people who've played on the wing in Italy, Peter Romani ended up there in the last game of the uh, Six Nations two years ago, the last time we were in Italy. And just thinking back to that campaign, that was the campaign where we played this amazing rugby in the first game against Wales in the Millennium Stadium, absolutely annihilated them who were, you know, the, they were going to be the Lions team and they're, they're amazing and they're so brilliant and they're, and then we killed them for 40 minutes and they did okay in the second half. And then the last game is us being beaten by Italy in Italy for the very first time. Mm. It's a really weird tournament. This yeah, we, like when you, where you want to progress and, and get better in a competition, we absolutely peaked in the first Forty minutes of our of our Six Nations that year, and got progressively worse as it went on. And to obviously, we were one of the two teams that hadn't lost to Italy in Six Nations, and now there's only uh, England left. Um, I just remember that day. It wasn't helped by um, three big injuries in the backs. I think it was. It might have been Gordon Darcy and Ian Madigan came on for his first cap, and then we lost both Luke Fitzgerald and. Keith Earls to quite serious injuries, so that was why Pete stood out in the wing. And I remember, you know, the panic on his face, um, saying that I, I needed to talk to him, particularly in defence. And by no means was Pete the worst on that day. Um, so yeah, it was just one of those. It was one of those situations where you felt so probably lacked a little bit of leadership in the pack, not having Paulie there, we had a couple of other injuries, and um, it just yeah, it was one of those days you just felt you couldn't get it back. And uh, Sexton pulled out the day before, so Paddy Jackson was in playing, and just you know we we weren't a strong Ireland team, and it just it it, it really kind of typified how we had been in that Six Nations, um, pretty average. Does that grim you out as a professional when you're like 
four weeks ago we were amazing or six weeks ago whatever it was and here we are not able to pass the ball to each other and screaming at each other and just completely frustrated and annoyed that is sport and it's you, sometimes you can't put your put your finger on it and it's um, sometimes it's down to uh, organisation sometimes down to personnel I think largely down to personnel um, you look at the in a similar situation the Leinster team in December in comparison to the one that we've seen in January yeah. is vastly different because a lot of players have come back from longer term injuries um, so it does it does show that there's a difference between the first 15 and the second 15 in Ireland Do you give yourself a bit of a free pass not a free pass but do you have an allowance at that stage of your career where you realise this and you think and look ultimately it's the same team that wins the championship under Joe um, with a few minor tweaks here and there but like that group had also largely won a Grand Slam as well so you knew you were good is it a little bit easier to deal with those situations when you're thinking those ridiculous injuries that weird situation that stuff happens yeah I think sometimes you have to be able to write it off because otherwise you'd be forever scratching your head about about those circumstances Um, so you know I think you look at at times as well when you have been successful in that 09 Grand Slam I think 25 players were used in the whole Six Nations so you have to have that you have to have that continuity you have to have your best players playing if you're going to compete and I I would imagine um, you know last year I don't know what the numbers were but Joe probably used no more than 30 players in in, I would probably say considerably less than that too yeah there was great continuity yeah so even though there were some key guys injured before you know Sean O'Brien didn't play um, and one or two others um, but um, yeah, you have to have the continuity where guys start getting comfortable and understanding one another. When you're training, you know, the week before the Six Nations, and then you have five, six weeks together, then you start understanding, have that element of telepathy, and just realizing what one another are thinking. And that may well be the strength of this group at the moment is that there does seem to be a sense of strength and depth. Somebody texted in about uh, Jordy Murphy. What about Parise against Jordy Murphy? Nervous much? Asks Fergus, but I guess he probably isn't because he's got Sean O'Brien and Peter Manny beside him. I think that's a big statement having having Shawnee there. Um, I I would imagine and for, for, I would have um, expected to see Shawnee on the bench. I think it's a pretty big ask after 50 minutes um Last weekend, having not played for, I think, the whole season, pretty much. 13 months, yeah. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, so, um, I, I think it's important with Jamie out um, to have Shawnee in there because uh, an Italian team looking at that back row and seeing both Heaslip and O'Brien not in it would kind of probably fancy themselves. But I think it's a different proposition having O'Brien in there. And um, and Jordy is playing well. And the fact that he can play eight and and seven very comfortably, and he packs uh, you know a, a bigger punch than he looks. Yeah, he, I think he'll go well tomorrow. Yeah, because he's also pretty good with the ball in hand. He's got a he's got a jink which mm. we don't always have. Yeah, his feet and his and his pace, um, and he's a huge engine on him. Uh, it's probably what you know he goes in and replaces Jamie, who's got a massive engine too. So it, it'll be I you know they're going to expect. Uh, 80 from him because Shawnee's probably not going to last the game and having I think it's it's Tommy O'Donnell isn't it yeah. um, on the bench so having Tommy there you know he's an out and out seven to uh, you know give Shawnee a, a break at 60 minutes uh, One last point about the Saxons last week things didn't go great for the team they end up getting beaten they don't put a collective performance in some of them some of them who are involved are okay um, 
obviously I think Sean O'Brien that was a, a test for him for Madigan it was a, a big negative but it was a huge positive for Ian Henderson who yeah. kind of reminded everybody yeah look I'm I'm still Ian Henderson here he was the shining light uh, you know above everyone else obviously it was important for Sean to get 50 and everyone wanted to make sure he got through it okay but yeah. for me Ian Henderson was was light years ahead of everyone else and uh, you know you, you have to remember he was a, an integral part of last year's success might have been coming off the bench but I'd envisage the more rugby he gets um, the more pressure he'll probably put on Devon Toner and, and probably need Devil will need to up his game um, going into the World Cup because this guy's a really really good athlete and if he can get all the calls right and <laughs> get his head sorted he is uh, a handful to deal with and we saw a bit of it last weekend Yeah so presumably somebody sits down with him with the calls and just keeps beating it into him Yeah and I think you know that Joe scares people into <laughs> getting calls right and you just don't want to be the guy that gets it wrong and if if that happens to you once you don't happen, allow it to happen to you a second time Yeah all right, 53106 is the text number if you've got any questions or you can get us on Twitter as well. While we do have Brian here, we've got a big announcement to make. On Wednesday, the 25th of February, that's the week of the Ireland-England game, with thanks to our friends at Heineken, we're going to have a very special off-the-ball rugby road show. We're going to be coming live from the Mansion House in Dublin with uh, loads of special guests and we want you to come along as well. If you'd like to be part of the action, text the word Heineken to 53106 along with your name and we'll be in touch with you early next week. This is on. Fortunately for you kids, an over-18s event. Drink Heineken sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. We're talking to Peter Stringer after these. Off the ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further. All right, we're half an hour away from the start of the Six Nations at the Millennium Stadium. Wales take on England this evening. Brian O'Driscoll is with us in studio. And on the line, we've got Peter Stringer. Peter, very good evening to you. Good evening, good evening. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Very you're, well. You're obviously uh, enjoying life in Bath at the moment, um, playing away. Um, what's the secret of your incredible longevity? <laughs> um, yeah, things are going well. I must say, um, I just still, I still love playing the game. Um, I still, I suppose, keep fit, look after myself, and mentally, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I suppose, I still have a passion for the game and want to keep playing it. And, I think ultimately I've always said that as long as the the body and mind are in sync, then I'll, I'll continue to do that as long as uh, as long as I can and as long as I love the game and 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 that's that's continuing at the moment and you know really enjoying the time over in Bath and enjoying um, the position that we're finding ourselves in, in in both competitions. Yeah, so it's obviously I guess a bit easier to go into training when things are um, successful like that, but uh, it doesn't sound like you're calling quits anytime soon. That this is kind of you don't sound like a man who's on the verge of saying, "Right, I'm done." Um, no, at, at, like at the moment, I just want to keep playing, and I suppose you speak to guys who have finished, and, and I think they 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 genuinely know when it's their last year. Um, and, and, and they kind of think to themselves, okay, I'm going to give this one last go. But I think for me personally, I'm I'm, I'm not at that stage. I, I don't know when it's going to come about. It could just hit me in the morning. It could hit me next year. I don't know. But for as long as, like I said, if you know, I enjoy playing and, and I get some decent game time, then at a decent level, then I'm going to c- continue to do that for for as long as um, as long as I can. And would you have any interest in playing again in Ireland before you finish up? Yeah, like there's plenty of opportunities. I suppose with the nature of the game, uh, you know, in this era, you can you can play wherever. You know, there's opportunities in England, France, and, and Ireland. And I'd never rule out anything. Um, it's about finding the right opportunity. Um, you know, playing in a competition where you're, you know, you, you look to succeed, you look to win trophies, and, and you look for teams to, to do that. And, and and ultimately, that's why you play the game to be successful. And um, 
you know, wherever those opportunities lie, then um, then I'd look to them. Um, so certainly you wouldn't, you wouldn't rule anything out. Strings, uh, you would have been um, in, uh, in Irish teams when Mike Ford was defensive coach. What is it about him yeah. that he brings from an attacking point of view as well? And has he kind of grown his coaching um, skill base uh, since those years in, in the early 2000s? He just he seems like an impressive guy, and particularly the way Bath are playing. It's a very attractive brand, so it must be exciting to play it. Yeah, definitely. You, you, like you know, just as well as I do, I suppose, but back in the day, and 40 was just regarded as a defensive coach coming from rugby league. Um, which was the the big thing back then to, to get a league guy in, but you know I suppose I wouldn't have had any, had any dealing with him in, in in subsequent years when he went away, you know, to Saris and, and to coach England defensively until I got to Newcastle a couple of years ago where he was brought in, you know, as a defence coach first and then had an attacking mindset and then in Bath obviously when he took over as, as head coach um, has brought. I suppose a, a very much um, a kind of a rugby league type attacking play t- to our game, and I suppose when you look at the quality of backs that we have and the young guys that have brought, been brought in in the last couple of seasons, you know, the opportunity to get the ball out to those guys and, and, and to spread the ball wide, and you know, Forty has been you know r- remarkable in the way he's transformed his own his own coaching ability from a defensive guy to an, an attacking guy. Um, and and has really played into our hands and 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 has enabled us to play that type of game that that suits the guys we have on our team. And I think England probably to a certain degree are you know trying to copy it in some regard and, and trying to implement what we've been successful at so far this season and and trying to bring it into their own game. Yeah, you're talking about those phase phase options, and I you know it's definitely you can see England doing what Bath are doing. I don't think England do them as well as Bath. Um, you, you're yeah. definitely the best team added out there, obviously, with, with George Ford pulling the strings, excuse the pun, absolutely yeah. unintended. Um, first time you've heard that. Um, but um, one person I do want to I, would, I do want to ask you about and what he's like at training, because he's a guy that I thought has had a fantastic season and now has a huge opportunity uh, in half an hour's time or so in, in Jonathan Joseph. How, how good is this guy? And, you know, is he the real deal? Yeah, I think so. Like initially, I suppose when you see guys at training and 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 you see certain guys' attitude and and, and you just you just don't know about them. And, and this was when I met when I first met Jonathan, I was kind of a bit unsure. You know, this kid coming from London and there was a bit kind of bit of a swag about him coming to training and stuff. But when you see him perform and you see this guy's natural ability um, on the training pitch and also the, the, the fact that what he's done on the pitch, you know, in big games this season for us. Um, his ability to create something out of nothing, his offloading. I think the balance to his running, he's incredibly quick um, and just a naturally gifted guy. And you, you can see that the more this guy plays at the highest level, um, he's going to develop into you know an extremely good player. And you see that um, from from the guy at such an early age, you know, at the moment. And and I think it's massive for England. I think going forward, if they, if they need to. Progress that they they nail down that centre partnership and, and pick the right guys and I think he's certainly he's a, he's a guy that will that will that will work really well for them. Brian, what do you expect from this England team and, and particularly that um, so they've got Burl at twelve and Jonathan Joseph at thirteen? Are they creative enough? Well, Joseph definitely is. Um, Burl has a bit more to his game than his his size might suggest. He 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 is a very capable 
capable distributor. Um, I just hope that they're given the game plan to go and play. You look at that um, that three quarter line, and with Ford and and um, and Joseph either side of them, like the, they're guys that want to play ball. They want to score tries. They want to. You know, they don't want to k- chase um, kicks all day. So um, I, I hope that they do go out and and try and play against Wales and don't play safe. Um, I, I I would have really liked to have seen if Kyle Eastman was was properly fit. Would would he have? Would they have yeah. gone with the Bath three quarter line? Because I think again that is the the, the best in England at the moment with Manu Tuilagi injured, um, and it's the most exciting defensively. I don't know is it the most sound, and you know, that's probably why he's gone for a big guy in Burrell. But you know he's fallen off a couple of tackles in in the last few weeks, so you know there's question marks over him. And yeah. in, in his last encounter against um, Jamie Roberts in in Franklin's Gardens in the last year, um, the last Champions Cup. Uh, Roberts, you know, did an absolute job on him. So it'll be, you know, it's round two this weekend, and um, yeah, he he won't be short of motivation. Yeah, Peter, what do you expect to happen from this England team? Obviously, you, you play with some of these guys, you play against them week in, week out. How good is this group, and have they got the right fifteen on the field? Yeah, I think that's they're they're probably tr- still trying to decide, you know, ultimately their their midfield, and I think you know, given those kind of injuries, like you said, to Kyle Eastman already. Um, a lot will be seen out tonight, but I think England fundamentally over the years have, have built their game on having a strong pack, good set piece, um, and just bullying teams, dominating teams at set piece, um, and then feeding off the back of that. I think they're trying to play, you know, I suppose have a, have a plan B, have implement something else out the backs, um, you know, in the game plan they're trying to, to do at the moment, but I, I don't know if they're there yet. Um, in speaking to guys who have been involved in the camp, um, you know they're trying to get that balance to their game to have that forward pack, you know, dominate, and also to have the backline to, to to cut teams apart. But I don't think they've got the blend yet. Um, whether we'll see it tonight or not, I'm not sure. I think Wales will probably come at them with a lot of line speed, put them under a lot of pressure, look to kind of stop them getting the ball wide to to Watson and May on the wings, who who can be a threat. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think just that midfield, if, if they if they figure that out and, and figure out the balance between the backs and forwards, I think they they could be a genuine threat. Okay, but it sounds like you expect Wales to win. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm backing Wales. Um, I think just the confidence that they seem to have and, and, and the cohesion that they have in their team. Um, I suppose the little mind games played by Gatland early on in the week, um, naming his team early, knowing Lancaster couldn't name his and was waiting on a few injuries and didn't really know his best combinations. Um, I think just the confidence that they have in Cardiff Friday night, um, you know, big backline, big pack. Um, I think they'll, um, I, f- I fancy them to do it. Yeah, you agree with that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think so. I think that Wales team nearly picks itself. There doesn't look like there's any shocks. Even their bench nearly picks itself too. Um, and there, there's just there's really good con- continuity there, whereas England have lots of untested combinations there, um, a number of injuries, two second rows that uh, wouldn't be playing if Laws and Launchbury were fit. Um, Haskell's obviously in for Wood. Haskell's probably the inform uh, six in England at the moment and maybe would have been picked ahead of Wood anyway. But... Um, I think Wales are going to have too much, like like String said. Um, Friday night, Wales, they, you know, they don't roll over easily, particularly against the English. And um, 
you know that that really aggressive line speed that you know Sean Edwards' defenses are renowned for will just put um, George Ford under a bit too much pressure to not be able to play the game that he wants to play and I think they'll just suffoc- suffocate England. The Irish women are hammering Italy tonight. 30-0 is the score in that one. Um, Peter, what do you expect from Ireland against Italy tomorrow? Um, yeah, I expect, obviously, Italy to come out. Um, you know, first game for them. They're always quite strong, fresh in the first game. Um, but I think Ireland early on, I think they'll they'll probably try and turn them a bit, kick them, kick the ball down there, uh, put them under pressure, and then hopefully the set piece, you know, hopefully dominant in the line out and get that mall going and get into the game that way and just kind of ease their way in. I think, you know, obviously, you know, after 60 minutes, um, you know, normally Italy are a team that, you know, have probably burnt themselves out um, and that you hope to get the scores in, in the latter part of the game. So, I think yeah, it's obviously it's a tricky one. You know, a lot of um, I suppose kind of untested combinations um, at international level. Um, but I see definitely Ireland winning and you know um, gaining the experience from this game going forward to the the, the French game, um, which is um, massively important. I think uh, particularly you know the way in Italy, it's going to be tough. But I think definitely um, an Irish win um, is on the cards. All right, well, listen, enjoy the game. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. Um, this Welsh team, okay, so everybody in Ireland is assuming that we're going to go deep in the tournament and be in the shake-up come the, the end of it. Um, certainly that's the way the betting has gone. Uh, and yet Wales have a lot going for them, not to mention the level of success they've had in this tournament in recent years, the fact that most of their best players are fully fit. They kind of feel like they owe everybody a little bit. Uh, chippy Welsh team is annoyingly good. Yeah, like listen, these are guys that, irrespective of what their club form is like, they always turn it on when they're in a Welsh jersey. And, you know, when you think about... Um, George North wasn't, um, wasn't playing in that South African game that they won at the end of the November series, and there was talk in Wales of them dropping him. Like, are you kidding me? This guy is the greatest attacking weapon in European rugby yeah. and their question is defensive capabilities. This is a very, very settled Welsh team. Um, as I said, it, I think it nearly picks itself now uh, Now, you know, with the likes of Warburton um, you know, controlling things in the back row. Tipperick's always going to be on the bench. Faletau, irrespective of what he does, nearly always play, plays in the Welsh jersey. He kind of doesn't... He's anonymous throughout the season and then, you know, puts in a couple of decent performances for Wales, which... Um, you know, keeps him there for another keeps year. Keeps him there for another year. So, um, I, I just think, um, looking at that team sheet, that um, they have that more consistent feel to them that England, you know, I, th- I thought that was really interesting uh, gamesmanship with, with, with Gatland yeah. um, early in the week. It was a real set down a marker. I know my team, do you know yours? No, yeah. you don't. So, you know, this is, the, this is the side. We're giving you an extra couple of days to prepare against us, do a video analysis on our individual players. And we'll still and, beat you. And we're still going to go after you, yeah. Um, one quick point on Wales. They have all these players now playing for the best teams in France who are coming into form. It used to be that Ireland had this perfect setup and everybody in Wales was like, oh, we're so jealous you guys only played blah, 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 and you're well managed and you're centrally contracted. Now it turns out they're going and playing in big games all the time. There's a, there's definitely, it, it, it's not come full circle just yet, but you can see there being a benefit for Wales having players playing in big games in France week in, week out. Yeah, you can, provided they can remain fit. And at the moment, they're looking pretty healthy. But like all teams, you go through cycles of yeah. players being gone and 
you know, like buses, you know, it can be nothing and then three, four in, in a game. Yeah. And you can be decimated. You know, and this is going to be a physical game tonight. So you're, you would imagine there's going to be a couple of guys that you know, won't play in the next game, in the next game, next weekend. But um, they, they have such a clarity on what way they're playing the game. And I think Dan Bigger's playing extremely well this year. Um, Reese Webb is playing really well for the Ospreys as well. So those two pulling the strings in front of a packed millennium. Uh, is too much for me. Okay, and so one way traffic almost. Is not all, no, I don't think it'll be one way traffic. It because listen, ago. yeah, do, do you know what? What's what? I, it was funny listening to Gatland about the Lions in 2013 and saying the reason that he brought Andy, um, Andy, defensive coach uh, Farrell. Yeah. Um, was because he wanted to see what the English team were going to be doing in the World Cup because they had them in his pool in their pool. So leaving, did he, did he leaving. This week? No, he said that um, six months. He said right after the Lions tour, after they won the series. So it was, it was really interesting that you know he'd, he'd left Edwards behind and picked Farrell um, because he wanted to see what he's going to be doing with his defensive side. So um, that might ruin it for future Lions coaches when it potentially, comes to picking potentially, back. But obviously, Warren wasn't <laughs> worried about you know, twenty seventeen. Uh, he'd just come off the back of a winning series. But um, yeah, it was it, it was interesting whether he truly believed it or whether it was another yeah. case of just putting a screw in in in, in English head. So yeah. he's, um, he's good at that stuff. He certainly is. All right, we're going to talk with Italian legend Diego Dominguez next. Off the ball, getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further. Okay, so there's ten, well, thirteen minutes before kickoff in the Millennium Stadium, Wales against England. We obviously are looking forward to Italy against Ireland tomorrow afternoon at uh, half past two. And I'm delighted to say we have Italian legend Diego Dominguez on the line. Diego, thanks so much for making the time to talk to us. How are you? Good night to everybody. We're pretty good. We're looking forward to uh, this game. How are you, Brian? Eh? Very good, Diego. Very good. How are you? Are you okay? Happy, happy to hear you on the telephone, eh? <laughs> likewise, likewise. The, okay. Uh, the, uh, Looking forward, yes. Italy, Italy have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, expectation in, in this in this match of tomorrow. They received three matches at home this year, and, and you know, uh, you remember that in all this year against Ireland, our our chances but they were not so bad. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, what we wanted to talk to you about specifically was the number ten situation because uh, you know to not to put it too bluntly, but since you left, Italy haven't had any very good number 10s. Uh, have they got one now? We have a very, we have a big problem, really a big problem. Uh, it's a lot of year, no no number 10 of high level is coming out. Uh, now it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a foreigner, it's still a foreigner players. And, and um, I think he's more centered than 10. For me, it's more centered than ten, but but uh, is is uh, is uh, the is the most regular in this moment to play ten. Even if he's, for for me he's a center, I think he's, he's the more regular and is uh, the one who can give more more security uh, in defense uh, at this level. Brian, you were saying that um, there are a few players that we need to watch out for here, in particular 13 Campagnaro and 14 Sarto, that they're the threats? Yeah, I think those two guys in, in, from the back line are, are, the, are the two guys that 
have the most attacking capabilities. Um, I think Sarto had a very good game last year in in the loss to Ireland in in um, in the Aviva, um, and you know. Obviously, we know about Massey at fullback, but he's probably coming into the winter of his career. So I don't think he's as, as big a threat as, as some of those younger guys. Uh, I'd be interested to, to hear Diego's take, though. On, do you think that Italy are still relying on, on Sergio Parise and, and, and what he brings to the team? Because any time that Ireland have played against, against Italy and not seen Sergio Parise in the team have been absolutely buoyed by... Seeing someone in, and, and sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll explain myself. Would be yes, would feel would feel in a very positive for, um, situation where where Parise isn't there and the Italy are, are a lesser team as a result. Would would you uh, would you agree with that? And and do you think the reliance on Sergio is too much? Completely, completely agree with you. Uh, uh, they rely too much. He's an excellent player. And he's a, he's a he's a very good leader in the in the Italian pack. And uh, and uh, sometimes sometimes when when he didn't play that uh, that Zani plays number eight it was not bad it was not bad uh, Zani is a good number eight but Paris in this moment is playing very well and his leadership uh, with the youngs is very important for the team so if he don't play if he don't play is is a problem it's a problem. What do you what do you think will be a successful season for Italy? Do they need to win two games? Do they need to win? Can they win even more than two games this year? For me, for me, it's going to be very difficult for them to win one game with the with the with the things we did we saw in the last uh, Test match of November. I I think uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to win. One match. Uh, if they win one match, uh, for me, it's a good Six Nations. Okay, that's a that's a real pity because there was a real sense. Yes, I know, especially when I know, but but Ireland Ireland is a very good team. They're putting uh, they're putting some some some, uh, some some new players in the team uh, in this match that uh, want to take the, their places. Uh, Wales is also a very good team. They are preparing very strong. Uh, they are going to Scotland. It is in a very good level. They will receive France this year. France uh, lose already two times in Rome. I, I believe that France is going to arrive uh, with with the best, with the best they, they can here to Rome to make a very strong win. So it's going to be difficult for Italy. Uh, to win more, more than one match, maybe maybe they can, but but uh, if I have to be if I have to be cold, objective in my decision, in my in my way of thinking, I say that uh, if they have one win, uh, it's a, it's a, and the other the other matches make good matches, it's, it's okay. All right. So it will be okay for the level for the level they show in the last month. Uh, we're nearly out of time, Diego, but I just wanted to also say congratulations on the new job at Toulon. It's um, obviously one of the most exciting jobs in world rugby at the moment. I know it's not happening for another year, but uh, I guess you're looking forward to that a lot. Yes, I'm looking forward a lot. I am in New Zealand now. Uh, you have, I have a son. I have a son playing since one year and a half here in Auckland, and I am here. I am here. Three weeks. Uh, I've been a lot in the in the in the camp of the Blues. Uh, tomorrow I'm leaving to 
I'm going to be five days in the camp of the Western Force in Australia. And uh, all this year, I'm going to be traveling around uh, uh, different countries to see uh, to see different things and to take uh, to take it to make me. I I know exactly how what I want to do, and I want to take the the best uh, the best way to do it. Are you are you sure you're not uh, traveling around the different countries to pick up their best players and bring them back to Toulon? No, they are, they're already there. They're already there. They're already there. I have to. No, no, no. That's a, you know that to not have a, maybe I think the the best, the, 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 the most quantity of best players in the world in this moment. The crowd in the city is enormous. It's a very good, uh, it's a very good uh, challenge. I'm very happy and very motivated to do it. And uh, I will prepare as as uh, as, as, as the war to go there, no? So yeah. I have one year ahead to 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 prepare and to and to check this. Uh, I'm going to be in Toulon in ten days. I'm going to be in Toulon ten days, one week. We have to speak of a lot of things for for next year. And I'm going to make in July one month with them for the precision. One week in November, and I am going to be. In, uh, I'm going to live there. Uh, from the 10th of December, I'm going to, I'm going to leave there to Toulon. Well, very, very nice. Diego, it's been a, a real privilege talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us from New Zealand. Okay. Thank you very much for you and all the best for the future. Ciao, okay. Diego. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, that's a pretty exciting job, isn't it? Isn't it just? I'm touring the world to check out how everybody does it and I probably will steal some players along the way too. Yeah, you can be sure of it. You know, it's it's not overly difficult to tempt some players in, in <laughs> the latter parts of, of their career. Come down to Toulon. We, we win loads of trophies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you don't have to put your hand in your pocket. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good. Here we're almost completely out of time but uh, who's going to win the Six Nations? I'm, I'm going to go with heart and, and say Ireland. And if we don't, Wales. it's the Welsh. And yeah. we're going to see a bit of a statement of intent from them tonight. I think so. I think so. Uh, all right. Well, Brian, thanks very much. Good to be here. We'll uh, see you again real soon at the Mansion House in yeah. particular on Wednesday, the 25th of February. That's the week of the Ireland-England game. With thanks to our friends at Heineken. If you want to be part of the action, text the word Heineken to 53106 along with your name. We'll be in touch with you early next week. This is an over-18s event. Drink Heineken sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. The uh, crappy quiz is coming up next. And stay tuned. We'll have updates all night from the Millennium Stadium too. Off the ball, getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.